I'm a Fortnite strategy, Taylor. And I'm having an existential crisis at a traffic light, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week we watched yet another fucking insane movie. <laughs> the appropriately titled Unhinged, directed by Derek Bort and starring Russell Crowe, Karen Pistorius, Gabriel Bateman, and Austin P. McKenzie. Um, I think this is a rare example of a movie that we watched for the first time together. Yes. Yes. We had it brought to our attention by the Dead Meat podcast, which, like, if you're a horror person and you're not following the Dead Meat podcast, what are you doing? Get on that shit. Get on that shit. But yeah, they watched it. And I think, if I remember correctly, this was one of the movies we watched during election season. Yes, it was. During that, like, hellish, like couple of days when we were just like we need to watch the dumbest movies that we can get our hands on to take our minds off of what is going on with American <laughs> politics right now I wonder I can't remember if this was like before or after uh, Destiel became canon <laughs> yeah it, it but like it was that like point yeah, of time it, in like last November yeah we watched like just a bunch of fucking just dumb, stupid movies just stupid movies we watched yeah. what like demons Dario Argentus Demons yes. and Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen and the 90s haunting remake. So that was where we were at when we watched this movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this movie is great even when it is not uh, a horrible, tumultuous time in the American uh, government system. But then again, when is it not these days? Uh, uh, love, uh, love to live in this country. Love it. Home of the free. <laughs> This movie is so American, I feel like. <laughs> this movie, okay, I could not tell for the life of me. Because, like, the message it's trying to, the, the quote-unquote message it's trying to impart is, like, doesn't so... It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. And also, it's just presented in a way that's, like, so over the top that I'm like, are they... The opening credit sequence! Oh my god! So... It's, it's like, literally beating you over the head with what the point of the movie is. Um, should we describe the plot a little, just so sure. our listeners... Okay. I think we should start doing that uh, from now on. Yeah, we probably should. So, the movie opens with Russell Crowe, the scariest human being alive. Yeah, uh, he's, he's fucking so scary in this movie. Murdering his wife, his, like, ex-wife, sorry, and, like, setting their house on fire and driving away. He is so scary. <laughs> he is so scary. We're going to say that a lot this episode. Yeah. Uh, and basically the movie follows him as he fucking um, just pulls this this woman named Rachel, our main character, Rachel, mm -hmm. uh, a single mother, is having, she's having a rough day. She's having a rough uh, couple of months, really. And yeah, she's not having a good time. Uh, he does some stupid shit in traffic. Uh, she honks at him and yells at him, and he decides, you know what? I'm gonna just ruin this woman's life. <laughs> yeah, it's implied that he, like, has this weird misogynistic, like, mindset because, like, his bitch ex-wife left him. Yeah, and so he just, like, this one woman pisses him off in traffic, and he's like, alright? Just, like, I can literally imagine him just, like, just like clapping his hands together and being like okay let's do it i'm gonna fuck with this woman uh and go down trying yep uh and that's basically the premise of the movie it's just that's russell crowe the whole movie it's just russell crowe ruining this woman's day yeah. in the most violent and terrifying way possible he just is like i'm just gonna just 
fuck with this woman and do anything I can to just completely traumatize her. Yep. <laughs> That's the whole movie. <laughs> That's the whole movie, guys. And it is amazing. One thing that I would like to say just up front is that, like, we were kind of poking fun to the opening credit sequence. But one thing I will say about this movie, it is, it's it's actually a good movie. Oh, yeah, it's a good movie. Like, it's very fun. Like, I genuinely think that this movie is, like, competently made, well acted, like. Oh, yeah. This, like, we put this in the same category as Clinical, but Clinical is actually a badly made movie. I think on the scale of, like, movies that are like this, capital L, like, capital T, this, they're on, like, opposite ends of a spectrum. Yes, 100%. Like, you can have a competently made movie that is still batshit fucking bonkers. Right. They have similar energies, but they're on opposite ends of a spectrum. Yes. So, like, I gave this movie, like, an actual decent rating on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah, same. Because, I like, I think it's good. <laughs> Whereas Clinical got two stars. Because <laughs> it's bad. Exactly. Um, yeah, everyone in this movie is kind of giving it 100%, but, like, Russell Crowe is giving it 110%. <laughs> yeah, Russell Crowe really just said, like, I'm going to go into this movie and I'm going to be just, I'm going to be... He's so big. He's so big and scary. He's not even really that tall. It's just that he's, like, he just has this, like, presence of a tall man. He's just massive, is the thing. He's, he's, he's like, the absolute size of that lad. I, I really wrote one of my notes. I just wrote Fat Joker. <laughs> Taylor. Because he kind of is. I hate that you said that. And put that energy into this world. Like, you're right, but I hate it. This character really, like... I like. What's in your letterbox review just Joker's trick? Yeah, because this movie is just Joker shit. <laughs> we do live in a society, according and to Russell Crowe. nobody Crow. knows that better than Russell Crowe in this movie. By the way, his character doesn't have a name. We're not just calling him Russell Crowe because... I thought his name was Tom. Or was that just a fake name that he gave, like, the divorce lawyer? I don't know if that's supposed to be his real name or not, because in the credits it just says the man. So I yeah. think maybe Tom Cooper is a fake name. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just Russell Crowe. Like, like, I can't call this man anything but just Russell Crowe. The thing is that, like, this is very much like Russell Crowe kind of playing himself ten years ago taken to just the complete extreme. Yeah. And, like, I respect that he has enough self-awareness to look at the way that he used to be as a person and be like, I'm going to actually just play the, like, most insane version of that person. Honestly, good for him. I'm glad he's doing well and that he's not very angry anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm glad he, he got some anger I'm glad he can now channel that into performances like this. <laughs> he's... Like, not only is he, so like, good. scary, he's also, like, really good at being, like, and I hate to use, like, the TV tropes phrase, but, like, affably evil. No, like, you're right. He, and Especially he has this, like, in the scene in the diner when he sits across from um, Jimmy Simpson, who is playing our main character's uh, best friend slash divorce lawyer. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, is just chatting with him, and when... He's banging his head into a table and, like, stabbing him. And he's still on the phone with our main character, Rachel, being like, anyway. <laughs> do also, you wanna, like, do you, he, he's like, 
what does he even say to her? He's like, what if, uh, what, what are the last words that you want to say to your friend? And she's like, wait, what? And he goes too late. And he just fucking kills him. It's so batshit. Like all, like a full diner too. Like there are like people just cowering in their booths, watching this shit go down. This man does not give a single fuck. That's this the thing that I think makes a him a really scary character is that he just has no regard for his own well-being at all. Like, he knows he's probably going to die by the end of today, and he doesn't care because he's just like, as long as I get to traumatize this woman, I don't care if I fucking go down. Yeah, like, he literally says, oh, suicide by cops, not a bad way to go. It's like, okay, dude. Holy he's shit. so at the end of his rope that he is just like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna die. I know I'm gonna die. And I don't care that all these people in the diner are seeing me fucking murder a man. God. And also, it's, like... that That is, like, such a scary place for a character to be at mentally because it's just like like, again, it's just Joker shit. Like, he's so unpredictable because he doesn't care about his own well-being. I literally have a note that's just, I have a note that says, everyone in this movie looks like abject shit. Love it. <laughs> Every, yeah, and th- everyone looks terrible. And, like, the thing, too, is, like, our lead actress, uh, Karen Pistorius, I think is her name? Yes. Um, She's very pretty, but also, like, they make her look like she's just been going through some shit. <laughs> they really do. And, like, she's very pretty, but she's also just covered in sweat and wearing what are, what are clearly, like, day-old, like, unwashed clothes. And, like, her hair is sticking to her neck and, like, oh, God, this woman, she's been through this stuff. This poor woman, like, even before Russell Crowe comes into her life, like, she's just having the worst time. Like, she's going through this awful divorce. Her husband wants, like, everything. Like, the first, like, one of the first thing conversations she has in the movie is that, like, she's talking to her divorce lawyer about how the husband wants the house now. And she has, like, her brother living with her and his, like, was his fiancé or his wife? I can't I think, I think, uh, I think it's his, like, girlfriend slash fiancé. I don't think they're married. Okay. Yeah, he, she has, like, them living with her, and it's kind of, isn't it kind of implied that, like, the brother is just kind of a freeloader who's, like, he's yeah, like, oh, and my, like, my yeah. business is going to get started a up soon. relationship because she is literally being wrung for all she is worth by her ex-husband, and also her, like, freeloading brother is, like, just lounging around her house playing video games with her son. Yeah. It's so she's like, already like, going it, through it. Shit sucks for Rachel right now. And then, like, she loses like an important client because she, uh she's late because she's in traffic the traffic in this movie is so stressful i hate traffic I in hate real life traffic so much listen i'm gonna tell this story one time um this was like a couple of months ago i take the long island expressway to work every day and um if anyone lives in or around new york you know how hellish the long island expressway can be sometimes and one time this accident happened and like hand to god i somebody died in this accident i think because oh they god. closed they had to close off the expressway so i sat between two exits for 4 hours oh on the god. way to work i missed half of my shift i got to work and it was 11am I feel like I vaguely remember this. I and it was literally the most stressful day of my life. I was just like parked in traffic. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Between like 
two exits for four hours. And I, w- I listened to like three podcasts and like I didn't have a charger in my car at that point because I left no. it at home. So I'm just like trying to like keep my phone on low power mode. And like, anyway, this is just me exercising that terrible morning that I had. But like traffic is horrible. And if you live in an area where you have to drive to work and there's a lot of traffic, it is genuinely one of the worst things in the world to realize, like, especially when you're running late, that right. the like the road that you use to get to your job is fucking backed up. It's terrible. It's the worst. And so, like, I also am just incredibly stressed out by driving in general. And I, like, I'm slightly less stressed out now, but, like, I, like, have, like, a weird fear of getting into a car crash. And so, like, all of the car stunts in this movie were so stressful to watch. Anything in movies with car stunts and car crashes just, like, gets my heart going because <laughs> that's one of my, like, big anxiety things. And this movie has a lot of just, like, cars crashing into each other and... Uh. Yeah, good old Russell really, like, does a... F- he just, like, creates a pileup just to fuck with this woman. That scene, like... It's one of the early scenes where he, it's the two of them sitting in traffic and he just like backs up a little bit and like rear ends her and then backs up a little bit and rear ends her again. And he rear ends her like six times. Right. Just over and over again. And she can't go anywhere because all three lanes are just so congested that she can't get out. Oh my God. It's It's so bad. It's so awful to watch. It's so bad. See, I'm not stressed out by, like, driving in general. Like, I can drive pretty well, but if I hit traffic, like, I become, like, a rage monster. I become Russell Crowe. <laughs> I really don't. I'm really not an angry person in traffic or just in general. Um, oh, I'm not an angry person in general, but, like, something about traffic just brings out, like, the the animal in me. <laughs> that Yeah, my, my that's how my sister is, too. She, like... <laughs> Like, she will yell at people when they, like, cut her off and stuff or if they're going too slow. And, yeah, it's just, like, does does this movie make you think twice about doing that? No. <laughs> what, if you cut off, what if you cut off an angry divorced man in traffic and he just decided what if, to ruin your life? What if I, what if I cut off Russell Crowe? Actually, that's scary. <laughs> I may I may reconsider now because like the non-zero chance of cutting off Russell Crowe. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the chances of cutting off Russell Crowe in traffic are low, but never zero. Exactly. Um, can I say what I like about this movie a lot, and that I kind of forgot was like a thing, but it has a lot of like really good setup and payoff. Oh, 100 percent. It is incredibly good at like telling you things at the beginning that you're like, oh, that's just like a character thing. And then later on, making it pay off in the plot, like nothing that they say in this movie is for no reason. Definitely. Yeah, like it. And we'll get to this later, but uh, it does set up like the son and the brother playing Fortnite. Fortnite. And And, uh, the tablet that the mom has that comes into play later. And it even even like the minivan that he's driving later that belongs to the neighbor is set up in the beginning it's just, yeah it's really good the scissors the scissors I, that was her, the last her favorite one. uh candy cane scissors that she uses that she then at the end uses to fucking stab russell crow in the eye <laughs> and fucking kill him yeah it's great it's a great Something kill about like specifically like because this happens in horror movies a lot where it's just like someone gets killed by something sharp going through their eye and then into their brain 
Like, yeah. so gross. Oh, it's nasty. What a terrible way to die. I mean, to be fair, he deserved it, but, like... Yeah. God, the ending... Like, the last, like, five minutes of this movie are so fucking feral. The, like, this whole movie is so feral. F- feral women cinematic universe. I... I Going back to the cars for a minute, mm-hmm. I did want to say that, like... As as much as like during all the car stuff, I'm, my brain is kind of like, oh shit, oh god, oh fuck. Um, uh-huh. Like there is a like another part of me that is just like very like impressed at how well this movie is able to pull off like car choreography. I don't know if there's a term for this, but like it's it's choreography. Oh my god! <laughs> <sighs> That's the episode, everyone. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> oh. Anyway. I'm proud of myself for that one. I hope you know that. I'm I'm not proud of you. I, Good. I, 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 that, that sucked. That was terrible. Anyway. <laughs> the way that the cars are moving in this movie. The car stunts. Yes. Are, like, that has to be incredibly hard to shoot. Oh, for sure. Car stunts have to be hard to shoot. And this movie did not have a big budget. Yeah. And so, so I'm just incredibly impressed that they're able to just pull off those car stunts and, like, make them look so well. Because, like, I don't know, like, making sure that every single car is in the place where it's supposed to be and, like, I don't know, just setting up shots and being able to pull off car stunts. Like, that's hard work and they look really good. So, like, props to this movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. Like, yeah. it's not just one or two. Like, the like so much of this movie, like, takes place in cars. This is very much a movie about people driving places. Yes. Yes, it is. And, like, <laughs> it's not boring at all. Because it's just people getting into weird fucking... I mean, there's so many car stunts. There's just, like, people getting fucking run over by cars. Mm. And, and I like that the two sort of main cars that we have, we have the main character, we have Rachel's car and we have Russell Crowe's car. Uh, for the most part, like Russell Crowe abandons his truck uh, after a little while, but like they both have a lot of like personality. I wrote that too. I wrote down that like the cars are very much like their characters in a car. Yeah. Like the Rachel's car is kind of like beat up looking and it definitely looks like it's been through the fucking ringer or, and it's like about to break down at any minute. Yeah. And Russell Crowe's car is the scariest truck you can imagine. It's just a big truck. Like it's just a big gray truck. It looks like a fucking shark. It's so good. It, yeah, I really enjoy. And like, I am sad that Russell Crowe did not have his truck for most of the movie, but I, I still really enjoy um, the way that those cars embody the characters. It's a For really sure. good little detail. For sure. And it helps to keep them, it helps to like, you know, set, uh, keep them recognizable in scenes where there are a lot of cars. Yeah. And I also like that Rachel's car is red. So you always like your eye is drawn to it in scenes yep. where there are a lot of cars. Yep. That was a very good choice. Cause like, you know, your eye is drawn to the color red, so you you always end up knowing where she is in a shot. Mm-hmm. And it is like an older car too, so it stands out that way as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Subaru, but I also don't know anything about cars, so hmm. someone should that, maybe, maybe that tells us something me. about Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she divorced her husband for uh, other reasons other than him being a shithead. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Back in the Subaru forever. forever. 
god. <laughs> oh, I hate that you were also thinking of that song. Of course. I really love Rachel. She's such a wonderful character. And, like, I really enjoy the ways that the movie endears us to Rachel. Mm-hmm. In such, like, tiny little ways. Like, of course you have the sympathy for her because of what she's going through. But she also is just, like, I relate to this kind of character. Like, she's trying really hard. And, like, shit is just not going her way. She clearly had this kid really young. And I, I like, I tell myself that that was on purpose because the alternative is just not... I don't like thinking about the ways that Hollywood doesn't enjoy casting women over 30. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> I'm going to pretend that that was a deliberate character choice. Yep. Just so we don't have to think about that. She has like a 13 year old son uh, at like 29. <laughs> can, can I just say that kid has quite the horror profile uh, up to up till now. Cause he yeah, was also he's, in, he's a little scream King. Yeah. He was in this, he was in the first Annabelle movie. He was in the child's play remake and he was in lights out like, all right, King go off. Him and, uh, oh, Julian Hilliard? Yes. Fuck. They're, like, the two, like, little boy horror scream kings. <laughs> I love that for them. I, yeah, I'm glad that, like, <laughs> I just think that's, that's wonderful. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, the scene that I thought was adorable was when she was in the gas station, and mm -hmm. there are these little, like, I think they're, like, candies that, like, have a little fists on them, and she kind of fist bumps yeah the like boxing glove can shaped candy i just thought that was really cute and i was like that's like such a nice little detail i don't know she's just very endearing and karen pistorius is just like very good at making you i hesitate to use the word pity uh care yeah like you just you just sympathize with her you're like oh yeah. this woman doesn't deserve this and she, she certainly doesn't, doesn't deserve, deserve russell crowe she doesn't deserve any of this we mentioned the line, uh, suicide, suicide by cops, all right with me, but I also want to give a shout out to the thing that he says immediately oh my God. after this, which is, your therapist's gonna need to bring her fucking A-game, because you're gonna need it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you, because he, he's like, look, he has her phone, and he's like looking through her, like, calendar, I guess. He's like, oh, you have a therapy appointment now, your therapist's gonna have to bring her fucking A-game. So good. Such a I good just line. I could literally watch Russell Crowe doing this character forever. I unhinged to when, frankly. I know he I died at the end of the movie, but like unhinged to when. Okay, like he's dead, but also John Kramer is dead and they brought him back for every Saw movie except for Spiral. So there's also a part at the Russell end Crow. he's having the brother write this like letter to Rachel. It it doesn't matter. But, uh -huh. like, there's, <laughs> he, like, leans down to the brother and he literally says, write the fucking letter. <laughs> he has, like, this southern drawl throughout the whole movie. It's so, so good. So scary. <laughs> He's so scary. Can I just say, like, like, I understand the scene with the brother's letter, like, saying all this nasty shit to her. But, like, I don't know. Like, he's clearly being forced to say it. Like, uh... Yeah, but I think it still just sucks to hear. It does suck to hear, but also I feel like you just be like, okay, but also there's a scary man with a... No, he doesn't have a gun. There's just a scary man in the room with him making him... He doesn't leave. need a gun, Jemmy. <laughs> doesn't need a gun. Russell Crowe does not need a fucking gun he's in this so movie. He's so scary that he doesn't need a gun. <laughs> he does not need a gun. I 
yeah, you know what? Russell Crowe doesn't have a gun ever in this movie. He never has a weapon, but he's so scary. He, like, stabs people with forks and... Oh, yeah. By the way, can we talk about that diner scene? I know we touched on it briefly, but I would like to discuss Jimmy Simpson, who... He's he's meeting his friend for breakfast, and a scary man walks in and just sits down across from him and is like, I'm a friend of Rachel's. She told me to tell you that she's gonna be late. And he's just like, Oh, okay. Like I have to I have to emphasize, and I know I've said so many times that Russell Crowe is scary in this movie. He is so scary. Like, I can't emphasize it enough. He is like, so my immediate thought scary. if I was Jimmy Simpson would be like, she is dead in a ditch somewhere. Right? Like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, This okay, man cool. did, in fact, murder my friend. Okay, cool. My friend's about to become a fucking true crime documentary. Got it. Yeah, like, like but he, like, this man is a lawyer and he's like, no thoughts, head empty. <laughs> we love men who don't think. This man went to law school and he is exhibiting, like, pure himbo behavior in this diner right now. Which is incredibly funny, too, just also because, like, Jimmy Simpson is supposed to be playing this, like, just, like, nice, normal dude. But, like, I know him from Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he plays, like, like one of the most disgusting characters ever put on television. <laughs> like, I, Jimmy, have you watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I have not. I cannot emphasize enough how disgusting the character he plays is. Oh my god. Like, physically, like, just, oh my god, just, like, so gross. And he, it's so weird to see him playing normal dudes. <laughs> just a dude. Because I just okay. thinking that he's gonna be fucking, like, I forget his character's first name, but he's, like, one of the McPoyle brothers. Oh my we god. We are 26 minutes into this, and I just realized we have not made a single, like, reference to the latest movie, and I just... I feel like I just need to do that right now. <laughs> do you have one prepared? I do not. I just, I, I just, it's an, ele- it's the elephant in the room right now. Like Taylor and I are both big theater people, and we know Russell Crowe best as uh, Inspector Javert. In I don't like that I know him best from that role, but I do. Oh, me neither. Me neither. I'm, we don't like it. But I'm gonna say this. I'm glad that Unhinged has taken the spot of Les Mis as like thing that I know Russell Crowe from. Truly, truly. Because, like, I don't know. I just don't enjoy remembering that Lame is 2012 exists. No one does. Well, some people no do. No one does. Some, some people do. I, I was on TikTok yesterday, and I saw this guy talking about movie musicals, and he was talking about how, like, one of his favorites is Lame is 2012. Oh, I feel so bad for him. And this man was a professional Broadway actor. He was in, like, Book of Mormon and stuff. Like... That's a lot. That's gonna set. That's gonna sit heavy on my heart and soul. I hope you. If know you're that. a theater person on TikTok, you know the guy I'm talking about. He's the one who makes the videos of like what actors do when their mics are off. And like, I think his videos are funny, but like, Les Mis 2012, my guy, for real. Sure. Like, anyway, we're not talking about Les Mis 2012. I just feel like, as two former theater kids, it needed to be spoken into the. Universe. Someone needs to edit like any scene in this movie where Rachel and him are fighting and just have the confrontation playing over it. <laughs> Please. That's actually what I want. So, can someone make that happen for me? I'm like really like lazy and I won't do it, but like someone should do it. Um, back to the diner scene. Can I just say, like, this is gonna be like the cheesiest, most basic theater person, like not theater person, sorry. God, ugh. basic most film person thing I could say, but it reminded me a lot of like 
Alfred Hitchcock's whole thing with the bomb under the table. Mm, 100%. Where can you like, explain that for our audience? I can. Okay, so um, I don't know, like, the context of where Alfred Hitchcock was saying this, but at one point uh, he said that... I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because, yeah. I think, actually, just, like, briefly cutting in, I think it was the interview with Francois Truffaut that he did. The, like, okay. French the French filmmaker. Yeah. So he, he said that if you have a scene in a movie that is a group of men in a room and suddenly a bomb goes off, that's that's nothing. But if you show the audience the bomb before it goes off, then you have suspense because the audience knows that there's a bomb under the table that is about to go off, but the characters do not. Uh, and in this situation, Russell Crowe is the bomb because we've yeah. already seen at this point him just like absolutely going insane. We saw the opening scene of the movie where he just like straight up murders his wife and her husband or his ex-wife and her new husband and drives away like it's fucking nothing. Um, yeah. So we we go through this whole conversation and this obviously is not far from the first film to ever do this. But it's just done so effectively. So we sit there with that whole conversation. and It's just like, you know. If you don't know what's going on, it's an affable conversation between these two dudes. But, like, we know Russell Crowe's fucking insane. So we're just waiting for him to, like, go off. Because, obviously, that's going to happen at some point. It's Russell Crowe in this movie. Yeah, it's incredibly good. And that's some film 101 for you, kids. You don't need to go to film school. Just listen to podcasts. Don't say you never learn anything from uh, our podcast. We are educational professionals. We are. I mean, you do have a degree in teaching. I do. <laughs> I actually do have a degree in education. I mean, you so, have a degree in education. I have a degree in film. So, like, between us. This kind of is film school, if you think about yeah, it. If you think about it. This is basically film school. Class is in session. Can we talk about the fact that Fortnite is a plot point in this movie? We absolutely can. Because I did. We, we, we have alluded to it a couple of times. But, like, I feel like we need to have a discussion about how movies think that, like, Fortnite is like the thing that they can just like throw in a reference to and it's like the the hip thing. Oh, it's incredibly good. Mm. It's so funny. And but like it it works in the movie. No, the thing that's the worst part is that it's not even like cringe. It just it actually works in context. Um we'll just get specific for you guys. So basically the movie opens and like like not the movie opens, but like the movie opens sort of, and the movie and they're playing Fortnite. <laughs> The movie opens on a screen playing Fortnite. No. This is actually just a long con to watch a Let's Play. Yeah. No, but as part of, like, um, the introductory scene for, like, Rachel and her son and her brother, like, the son meant... No, no sorry. It's not that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the car it's later, later on. on. Yeah, in the car later on. They're, like, she's, like, driving him to school. And he's, like, oh, do you want to hear... Does he ask her if she wants to hear about it? Or does he ask the dad? He tries to tell the dad. And the dad, like, shuts him down because the dad is an asshole. And then later on, Rachel is, like, trying to, like, throw him a bone. So she's, like, hey, tell me about your new Fortnite thing. Even though she, like, clearly does not know anything about Fortnite. It's, <laughs> it's actually a very cute character moment. Because, like, it's very she's charming. trying to be interested in the things that her son likes. And he's yeah, like, you he don't care about my Fortnite thing. And she's like, no, I do. Tell me. Yep. And the the strategy he tells her is that, like, they land in the game and they go somewhere that they're really familiar with and, like, lure people there so that they get lost, but they know where they are. Uh, and that works later on because 
and again, set up and payoff. It is set up that the neighborhood that their mother lives in, which is, is it like a nursing home neighborhood kind of thing? No, like they're trying to move her into a nursing home. This okay. Is the na- yeah. this is, that's the thing. This is the neighborhood that they grew up in. Yes. So, you know, it's, and it's set up that it's like really confusing for people who have never been there before. And that even um, the brother whose name is escaping me. What is the brother's name? It's Freddie. Freddie. I knew it was with an F. Um, that the brother Freddie, it's, you know, like we said, grew up in, he still gets lost there. So when they need to buy time to hide in the grandmother's house or in the mother's house, they lure Russell Crowe into the neighborhood and get him lost in there so they can get to the house and have some time to like hide themselves and get ready to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, it's it's really really good uh, setup and payoff. Everything is really effectively um, explained, but again, in a, in a way that is not uh, that it's not obvious that it is setting something up, right? And it's then later really it is paid off, and you're like, oh my god, it's like that thing at the beginning. I don't know. This movie is very good. It's very good. Can I just say? <laughs> The, like, heavy-handed... I already um, alluded to this also, but, like, the heavy-handed commentary on, like, driving culture is so funny. (laughs) I know, that's, like, the one part of this movie that I think really falls flat, is that, like, this could have just been, like, a a stupid exploitation movie about a really angry guy in traffic, but, like, the opening credits, like, it tries to, like, be a statement about like modern society or something and it's just it's very dumb i like can't tell if the director was trying to be serious about it or not because the rest of this movie is so like over the top bonkers yonkers that the message quote unquote in it just feels like it should it also is just over the top bonkers yonkers yeah it's very weird it's kind of a weird vibe but i don't know it adds to like how weird this movie is in general and also the ending is like a completely different thing because somebody at the end after Russell Crowe is the dead. Is and so you know, dumb. I stuff, love it. Um, like Rachel is like getting in the car with her son and they're like about to drive away. Like both of them like probably needing so much therapy after the day that they've had. Again, that therapist better bring her A game. That th- you know, he was right about one thing. Her therapists really do better bring her A game. Um, that was not a grammatically correct sentence. Um, Anyway, it's not. no. Uh, Listen, this isn't a grammar podcast. Did I mention that my degree is in English education? So, like, I be talking good. <laughs> I, do, I do, I do be talking good though. Um. Anyway, so the uh, what was I saying? Oh, so they're like about to drive away, her and her son, and someone cuts them off, and Rachel like goes for the horn, like she did when she was mad at Russell Crowe at the beginning, and then backs off the horn and doesn't honk and then her son is like good job or like good (laughs) Good choice good yeah good choice is what he says and it's weird because it's like wait is this movie implying that she like brought this on herself (laughs) like what what (laughs) like no i think the one to blame here is russell crowe the crazy person yeah like what a nonsensical way to end the movie (laughs) I'm like, what a weird, bad thing in an otherwise very good movie. It's just, it was very strange. Can I say something cursed? I, you know, I I, I, I could say no, but you're going to say it anyway. It had big Joss Whedon vibes. I'm leaving. (laughs) 
I'm not I'm literally wrong. getting up and leaving right now. I'm that was disgusting wrong. of you to say. <laughs> I'm not wrong, though. I'm not wrong. Jemmy's been watching so many Marvel movies that, like, th this is very, like, man who's only watched The Boss Baby. <laughs> this movie's given me a lot of Boss Baby vibes. Shut- okay, but I'm not wrong! <laughs> the Boss Baby man is wrong! I'm not! Jemmy, who has only watched Marvel movies, <laughs> this movie's given me Joss Whedon vibes. Just that one part. Why are you bullying me? I'm right. I'm allowed to bully you, because you bully me for other things. I'm correct. Also, only two Marvel movies are directed by Joss Whedon, so shut up. <laughs> anyway, while we're on the subject of needing therapy, can we talk about how it probably would have been just kinder to fucking kill the brother? Yeah, that sucked for him. <laughs> like, like this guy, like, so Russell Crowe kills the brother's wife or girlfriend or whatever. No, no, no. Taylor, he kills her by, like throwing her onto the knife that the boyfriend is holding. Yes! It's the so is horrible! It's so fucked like, up! And then he throws her on the bed and he makes the brother, like, he's, like, wheeling him around in that chair and he, like, makes him look at the dead girlfriend while he's, like, trying to intimidate him. It's so awful! And then, after, like, making him read this letter full of nasty, horrible things to his sister... He sets the dude on fire and throws him at a cop. Literally, oh god, what was the note that I wrote? Oh, I, I, the note that I wrote in all caps was set a motherfucker on fire and throw them at a cop. See, I put, damn, Chilton. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> for those Hannibal uh, viewers out there, that I was gotcha. that, that was for the Hannibal stands. That was for the Hannibal stands, which I hope. Plenty of Hannibal stands listen to our podcast. Hashtag get chiltened. <laughs> but yeah, like at that point, and then like at the end, there's like a throwaway line like, oh, Uncle Freddy's okay. He's going to be okay. It's like, yeah, like at the end, they're like, oh yeah, Uncle Freddy lived. And it's like, um, <laughs> I think it's kinder to just kill him. Like, oh, he's gonna, like, this dude is going to need, like, that guy's therapist better bring his fucking A game. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, oh, he's gonna be okay. Like, is he though? Yeah, but like, is, is he, he really? Though? He's like, got, he's like burned on ninety percent of his body. He was like forced to like stare at his girlfriend's corpse. Like, this guy's not gonna be okay. No, he's not. Like Rachel and her son, they'll probably be okay. Like traumatized, but okay. Uncle Freddy is gonna fucking like. He's, he's not gonna be okay. And he wasn't even like the main target of Russell Crowe. He just inexplicably got it worst of all. He was just like collateral damage. Yeah, shit sucks for Uncle Freddy. R.I.P. to that man, honestly. Hopefully, uh, with all the burns on his body, he'll still be able to move his thumbs enough to play Fortnite. <laughs> and isn't that what really matters? Yeah, end? isn't that really what it's all about? <laughs> Playing Fortnite with your nephew while you sit unemployed in your sister's house. Now having to deal with the trauma that you deal with, that you went through. <laughs> Literally, hashtag get chiltoned. Hashtag get chiltoned, baby. We need to make that. Get get that trending, guys. Get it trending. <laughs> we say Hashtag, to no, wait, the Chilton challenge. <laughs> Just, like, strap someone to a chair and set them on fire. And then wheel them into either a cop or a fountain. Preferably a cop. Pref yeah, preferably a cop. 
cops in this movie are fucking useless by the way they're about That's to- great i love when cops in horror movies are just useless because it's just like real life yeah <laughs> Still I, love as bad as- she- I love when she's like trying to flag down the cop when she's like driving and she's like the guy behind me is the guy that you're looking for and he's like i'm sorry i have to go like to this big pilot like this like huge crash that happened and she's like yeah motherfucker the guy behind me is the one that did it <laughs> And still the dude just as, drives away. Still not as bad as the cops in Freaky, though. No, no cops in uh, horror movies will ever be worse than the cops in Freaky. Like, literally, like, n- you will never do worse. You will never do a worse job. The bar is so low. Person who has only watched Freaky. This movie is giving me a lot of Freaky vibes. You know, I keep trying to like assert myself and i remember how much i bullied you during the freaky episode and i'm like maybe i deserve it this is just payback for like you making fun of me wanting to fuck the blissfield butcher so gonna keep which i stand by and like now there are people on twitter who are like for some reason all finally realizing that he was sexy in that movie hey taylor do you think russell crowe is sexy in this movie i don't actually which is surprising that is surprising but I, I respect that my, like, the way that I am is so deeply wrong <laughs> that you felt the need to, like, genuinely ask me that. I'm gonna be real. I didn't think you did, A, because I think I would know by now. Because yeah, I, like, the, the thing is, like, I would have told you by now. Yeah. Also, this man, like, you know how I said at the beginning of this episode that unhinged and clinical are on like opposite ends of the same spectrum yes similarly this man and mark hoffman are opposite ends of another spectrum i think that was when we first watched this movie that was your review was like this man or like mark hoffman wants what this man has he does though is the thing i kind of wish russell crowe had played mark hoffman i feel like i'd like hoffman better if russell crowe me too like, I just feel like he'd not, be a- Listen, not to start talking about Saw, but, like, I feel like a lot of the reason why I hate Hoffman is just because Costas Mandalore's performance is so awful. No, you're correct. And, we and like, I don't feel bad bullying Costas Mandalore anymore because he's, like, a crazy Trump supporter. No, he's, like, so. a horrible, like, weirdo, like, weird Republican guy. But, like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, he's anti-vax. We don't like him. Yeah, we don't like- This is an anti-Costas Mandalore <laughs> podcast. <laughs> But, but yeah. yeah, he's, like, not a good actor. Anyway, like, I think that someone should go back, like, like George Lucas, like, uh, re-edit Star Wars and just, like, put Russell Crowe into the Saw movies. I agree. Wholeheartedly. As Mark Hoffman. Like, I just, I think it would be, they, that, that they would be better movies. Yeah. Um, I had something that I was gonna say and then I forgot because we started talking about Mark Hoffman. Um. That's a bad sentence. Oh! Um, no, so, one thing that I thought was really interesting was how not horny he was. Oh, yeah. This man is not horny. That is another way, uh, in which this movie and Clinical are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Because, like, I feel like Clinical making that guy, and trigger warning, making the villain a child molester was, like, just kind of, like, a cheap way to, like, gross out the audience. And, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like this movie could have easily done something similar, where, like, he could have been really, like, rapey. Oh, yeah, for sure. But he's actually and just, like... The, the, it would have been, like, a really cheap... But, like, it, it would have fit with the tone of the movie in that this is sort of a very, like, exploitation-y type movie. Mm-hmm. 
And like I, the first time that I watched this movie, I kind of almost expected it to go there. Yeah, I can see where somebody would. Like, I, like sure. I, yeah, I could definitely see a version of this movie in which maybe like during the final confrontation, like it, shit just got really weird and rapey. And like, it, it would have felt cheap. And like, it, it almost makes him scarier <laughs> that there's just like no sexual motivation at all. He's just like, I am going to ruin this woman's life. Right. And like, it's implied that he has like a thing about like maybe single women or like women who have divorced their husbands because he clearly is like fucking angry at his own ex-wife. But even even that is kind of like, I wouldn't say on the down low, but his motivation is really just more, I want to fucking ruin this woman's life. Yeah, like he doesn't even know she's divorced until later on when he's already decided to start fucking with her. Yeah, like, you get the impression that that just made him want to fuck with her more. Yeah, like, he was already gonna do the same shit that he was gonna do. Like, finding out from Jimmy Simpson that she was divorced just added fuel to the fire and made him start spewing some straight-up MRA shit. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) He was doing some, like, full-on, like, 2012 men's rights activist, like, stuff. It was very good. Remember when that was, like, a thing people took seriously? Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, what a weird, what a weird time in American culture. God, 2012. What a time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, like, I, it it is weird to say that I almost kind of respect this movie for not making it into, like, a weird rape thing. Oh, for sure. Because, like, I don't know, it just, like I said, it would have felt cheap to go there, and they didn't. It's just purely just, like, scary. He's just, like, a big, scary dude. Yep. Um, the the size difference between them is a lot because you can like you can see he could like clearly snap her in half like a twig. Yeah, I just yeah this movie is so good. <laughs> He's just so scary. He's just I think Russell Crowe needs to just like I said just he just needs to play characters like this for the rest of his career. I agree, one hundred percent. I need so many more movies like this where Russell Crowe just plays a crazy person. <laughs> Russell Crowe, I think, in, like, this stage of his career needs to just move into playing villains. God, please. Exclusively just, like, insane, like, villains. Please. And maybe one of them I'll be horny for, but it wasn't this one. Give this man a proper slasher arc, please. Oh my god. Please. Oh my god, that would be so good. Give this man a slasher script. Please. We are in this era where, like, slashers are kind of coming back in a big way. And, like, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, like, that would be so good. Thank you, Halloween I'll write that movie. Please do. Write that movie. It wouldn't work with anyone but Russell Crowe, but I'll fucking write it. It's fine. It's fine. Tight 90 supremacy, I will say. Yes, tight 90 supremacy. I did very much enjoy looking at this movie on Letterboxd and seeing 90 minutes there. I know! I uh, saw it like 1 hour 30 when I pulled up the movie and I was like, oh my god. Which is good because the next few movies that we're going to be doing are long. Yes. Well, uh, are they though? I mean, I don't long? think they are. Hold mm-hmm. on. Let me check real quick. Yeah, it's 106 minutes. It's not that long. Oh, okay. That's really not that long. I don't know why I thought it was longer. Oh, uh, well, whatever. So you're wrong, Taylor. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm just, like, going through my notes. Like, I don't know. Listen, this movie is not, like, 
an intellectual movie. No, but that's it is the thing, a fun like, movie. With, like, shit like Midsummer, like, you can deep dive into that shit for, like, an hour and a half and, like, whatever. This is not that kind of a movie. This is just fun bullshit. Like, if you are at all intrigued by what we've been talking about, watch the damn movie. Because it it's short, it's fun, it's punchy, it's not like... I mean, there's the diner scene, but it's not, like, ridiculously violent. Mm. I feel like this would be a good movie to watch with, like, other horror friends. I com- Yeah, I agree. This would be a good, like, um, just, like, watch this in a group with other people. Maybe I have mean, Taylor and I had fun when we watched it together, so... Yeah! Yeah. And we weren't, like, physically together, but we were watching it over, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think we program. were just, like, calling each other and yeah, saying three, two, one, like a couple of cavemen. Yeah. R.I.P. Rabbit. We miss R.I.P. You. Rabbit. God, I miss that website more than certain dead relatives of mine. Truly. Oh, can we talk about Hoodie Guy? Can we talk about Hoodie Guy and can we talk about the... Um, woman in the convenience store. Like, literally, like, t- they're the true MVPs of this movie. They are, like, I I love that, like, she has this encounter with, like, two genuinely decent people before everything goes to shit. Yeah. I like to believe Mr. Hoodie, like, survived getting I hope hit. he did, because, like, he didn't, he deserved none of that. He did get hit by two cars, though. He could survive that. It's fine. Yeah, I guess you can survive that. I don't know. I just... <laughs> he probably was supposed to die, but, like, I choose to believe that he made it. I choose to believe that he lived. And since there's probably never going to be a sequel, we'll never know. So, you know? Yeah, I'm, but, like, I... This is the reality that I choose to live in. I'm shifting to a reality where this man lived. So we've brought up Joss Whedon shifting. <laughs> Anything else? Fortnite? Um, like, mm. you're really putting some evil vibes out in this episode. No, no vibes will ever be more evil than the Haunted Mansion episode. You're right. <laughs> At least Eddie Murphy isn't here. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's... Uh, like we mentioned, there is a scene in a convenience store. And it's that... I think she's... Does she stop for gas, I think? And she goes mm-hmm. into the convenience store. And then she looks out on the security cameras... And Russell Crowe's truck is right behind her car at the gas station or at the gas pump. Uh, And she approaches the counter and these two, like, genuinely very decent people. She's like, hey, I think that guy is following me. And, like, the the woman behind the counter offers to call the cops. And the guy in the hoodie, our hero, our our man. um, Woman Respector 9000. Yeah, Woman Respector 9000 (laughs) is like, hey, I'll walk you out to your car so he doesn't bug you. And he does that. But unfortunately, but, yeah. he, this movie does not take place in a reality in which that, like, works. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Russell Crowe immediately just, like, hits him with his car. Yeah. Or just, does he hit him with the car? Or does he, like, make it so that he gets hit by another car? No. So he hits him with his car. And then the guy, like, doesn't die from that and stumbles into the street and then is immediately hit by another car. <laughs> just having a real bad day. That sucks. Yeah, R.I.P. to that guy. Again, I'm shifting to a reality where he lived. I'm sleeping in the starfish pose, and I'm like... Listening to your subliminals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're unhinged to subliminals. See, this is just us outing how much we know about, like, shifting culture. (laughs) We're too online. Please help. (laughs) 
If you don't know what shifting is, don't look it up. Please don't. please <laughs> don't save yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Shift to a reality where you don't know about shifting. Taylor! Oh, God. We're going to get all the weird shifters in our comments now. No, we're not. Because <laughs> I'm shifting to a reality where they won't bother us. Okay, episode's over. Bye, everyone. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. I'm done now. I'm done now. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... <laughs> God damn it. I'm shifting to a reality where I don't have a host that brings up shifting. <laughs> You're shifting to a reality where you do the podcast alone. <laughs> <laughs> On our eighth episode about The Conjuring 2. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. No, that is what this podcast would be if it was just you. <laughs> Welcome to our 500-part series, Deep Diving. In. You know how, like, okay, so there's a podcast called, like, Star Wars Minute by Minute, where it's, like, it's, like, Every episode, they just spend the whole episode talking about one minute of Star Wars. Yeah. And they go they literally go through the movie minute by minute. That would just be you with The Conjuring 2 if you did this podcast on your own. It's true. <laughs> anyway, um, sneak peek at our upcoming series. This is also just the bullying Jemmy episode. I'm sorry. It's fine. There's, there's a sorry, part of I'll just cry myself to sleep. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. So, uh, if that's all that you... That's have, all I got. I do a segment on this show called Live Laugh Letterboxd, where I read funny Letterboxd reviews. Um, this was a sad time going through these reviews because nobody gets it like we do. You know, it's just a running theme in our podcast and no one gets it like we do. We're just actually the only people with, like, two brain cells to rub together i wouldn't go that far i would i wouldn't go that far about myself but because <laughs> you because you have one brain cell and it's devoted to wanda maximoff it's true uh so the first review is from josh lewis who i happen to know is the host of the sleezoids podcast so um i i like that podcast so shout out uh, he gave this movie three stars, and he says, An incredibly silly but surprisingly efficient, mean and brutal hybrid of Spielberg's duel and Schumacher's falling down that cuts to black at exactly 81 minutes. <laughs> Russell Crowe is as large, sweaty, and cartoonishly psychotic as advertised. Even his, even his gut has a menacing screen presence. Love that for him. Some of the year's finest grunting and mugging. Absolute <laughs> king shit. Nominate him. Nominate him for this. Why was this not at the 2020 Oscars? I, like, Lord only knows. Because, like, actually, you know what's funny? A lot of these reviews were people being like, this was the first movie that I saw in theaters since quarantine started. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, a solid, like, 50% of the reviews were people being like, well, movies are back. See, that's wild because, like, I feel like that was definitely before we had vaccines. Yes, it was. <laughs> Which is, um... Mm. I would not anyway. go unvaccinated into a movie theater. Anyway. <laughs> David Chen three, gave it three and a half stars, and he says... This movie made me realize how the vast majority of films I watch are exclusively made up of people who are sadly hinged. Yeah. Yep. Too many hinged movies, I think. We need more unhinged. We need more unhinged. Too many hinged. Uh, this guy named Lashroke, uh, I hope I'm saying that right, S-C-H-R-O-E-C-K, Lashroke, I think. 
He wrote like a long, like actual analytical review, but I'm only going to read the first line because it was, it made me fucking die laughing. The first line of this like actually like intellectual review is it's official. Russell Crowe is now John Goodman too. Love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I guess I love John Goodman and I love when John Goodman plays scary people because like he's such like a dad archetype usually. Um, shout out to 10 Cloverfield Lane in which he plays a fucking terrifying character. <laughs> uh, Trin says, uh, she gave it two and a half stars and she says, maybe if honking didn't make that aggressive noise, we'd be in a different position. A little boop would suffice. Okay. There's nothing I hate more in this world than the sound of a car horn. It's, like, it's so irritating. It sucks. Like, even... If like if I'm driving and somebody honks, not even like at me, but like in my vicinity, I'm immediately like, shut the fuck up, don't honk at me. Yeah, it immediately me. puts you on a defensive. It's so aggressive, and I just feel like we could use yes, we could use less aggression in society today. <laughs> wow, you, I feel like you'd agree with the director of this movie on that. It's true. Um, Griffin, uh, not Griffin McElroy, a uh, different Griffin, uh, gave the movie three and a half stars and says. Chunky Russell loses his marbles and can't seem to find them anywhere. <laughs> Are you sure that's not Griffin McElroy? I feel like it might have been Griffin McElroy. <laughs> that sounds like Griffin McElroy. I would also like to say, Chunky Russell and Juicy Pat are brothers in arms. <laughs> oh, I hate it. That's 90% of the reason why I screen capped that review. Because I was like, yeah, Chunky Russell, Juicy Pat, like, these are just, like, this is just the the boy lineup. (laughs) Oh, I hate it. Chunky Russell. Chunky Russell. (laughs) (laughs) Helen Uh. says, uh, she gave it two and a half stars, and she says, finally, a movie about driving in New Jersey. (laughs) Which is funny, because the movie takes place in New Orleans. (laughs) Is it New Orleans? I thought it was yeah. New York for whatever God no, it's, it's, reason. It's, it's New Orleans. Oh, well, or New Orleans, movie. I guess, depending on how you are pronouncing it. Second movie on the podcast to take place in New Orleans. Alongside The Haunted Mansion 2003. Alongside, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it's over. Well, it's over. Uh, Dennis gave the movie two and a half stars. Reading these star ratings makes me sad. It's so depressing. Because this movie is incredibly good. Have fun for once in your life. Dennis gave it two and a half stars, and he says, This almost happened to me last week. (laughs) This happened to my buddy Ryan. Literally, this happened to my buddy, this happened to my buddy Dennis. Matthew says, uh, the only film that begs the question, what if Michael Myers was just the type of guy who would choose bar seating at Denny's? (laughs) <laughs> three stars I'm sure we're gonna discuss this more in our Halloween episode but that just reminds me of the mystery of how Michael Myers can drive listen there's a like there's a debate going down on TikTok right now about how Michael Myers like can he read or not oh that's that's a good question yeah we'll we'll discuss that more yeah. later later <laughs> at a later date that's a sneak peek for you um And finally, Astrid Rose gave the movie three stars, and she says, This feels like the kind of exploitation movie that doesn't get made very often anymore, which is to say tasteless and button-pushing. You know, um, exploitative. 
meaty growling sweating Russell Crowe garrots children and runs people down in the street. Father's rights canon. <laughs> yeah. So true, Astrid Rose. So true. So true, bestie. And that is Live Laugh Letterboxd. Uh, there were some funny ones. Uh, it was hard to find them, though. Oh. <laughs> we need to pick movies just... that are, like, that have better, like, people making memes on them because... Well, hopefully next next week will be yes. a good one. Yeah, I think the next couple will have, like, fruitful, will have fruitful Letterboxd uh, review sections. Yes. So. <clears throat> excuse me. I'll cut that out. Star rating? No. Yeah, star rating. I gave this four on Letterboxd, but I think I'm going to go three and a half here. Why? I don't know. It just feels right. I'm going to say four. This movie See, is, I think it's like, I think it's just so fun. And this is precisely like the kind of fun, like garbage movie that I just really enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. I think um, I have to knock off half a star for the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I'm not giving it, like, I, I might have given it four and a half, but, like, I feel like I need to knock off some for the end. Yeah, but, like, I love this movie. It's great. Like, again, if you are intrigued at all by anything we've been saying this episode, go watch it. It's fun. You should absolutely watch this movie because it's great. All right. Well, next time will be our first October episode of the year. And a, keeping... a, a, a normal month, I feel like. A normal like. month for horror fans. Just you know. like a, a month like any other month. We're just going to be doing the same shit we always do. Um, Halloween 2018. Halloween 2018. <laughs> we are doing Halloween 2018. Uh, actually, the episode... Because I haven't watched Halloween 2018 since it came out. And I'm incredibly pumped to, to dig deep and to see... <laughs> um, Mommy, sorry. Mommy, mommy, sorry. Mommy, sorry. Lori Strode. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that episode should drop one or two days before Halloween Kills hits theaters. Yee. So uh, it'll be very timely. We're very excited to talk about it. I'm very Yay. excited to see Gilf of the Year, Lori Strode. Once again, mommy, sorry. Sorry. Mommy, mommy sorry. sorry. Mommy, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> gonna be a lot of discussion sorry jamie lee curtis is hot i'm sorry there's gonna be a lot of discussion of jamie lee curtis's arms yeah great yep i love arm i love arm i love arm and i love when women have gun it's very good and when women shoot gun so that's what you have to look forward to next time yeah just like two gay women being (laughs) horny for jamie lee curtis for an hour Oh, oh we have fun on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we you know, this is like this is if this podcast is a safe space. Is it though? It's not it wasn't a safe space for me today. Yes, it was. It's you know, the thing is that like it's never a safe space for me. So I'm just returning <laughs> the favor. True, we make it unsafe for each other. But it's a but safe like, space we, for you guys. This is a moment where we are in solidarity. <laughs> we can unite over Jamie Lee Curtis hot. <laughs> Exactly. Again, this is it's not a safe space for us, but it's a safe space for you. It's a safe space for all of you, the watchers, to also join us in admitting the truth that we all need to acknowledge, which is that Laurie Strode is a gmilf. I feel like the world would just be a better place if we all acknowledged that. Yeah. Anyway, follow us on Twitter at FGFPod and Instagram with the same handle. 
Uh, give us those four stars on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Do whatever it is you need to do to get the word out there about us. Because we are always looking to grow our, our listenership. Yes. And if you get stuck behind someone at a stop sign or a traffic light and they won't move, give them a courtesy tap instead yeah, of honking at them. Maybe don't, like, slam your horn. Because you never know when it's going to be Russell Crowe <laughs> primed and ready to ruin your life. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>